0: How are y'all doing? I'm Paul Ryan, your host of Across the Cowboys Podcast. We are part of the Across the Board Sports Podcast family. And guys, as always, to our regular listeners, welcome back. And if you're new to the show, hey, thank you guys for joining us. And guys, of course, you may know, some of you may not, but this is not a one-man show. The man of the hour and the brains of the operation is patiently waiting. My co-host, Mike the Pig Crumb. Mike, how are you,
1: man? You know how I'm doing, man. I, I don't. I'm, can I go on a rant for a second before we even put our tags in? I'm gonna rant. Please do. I, go for I it. Seriously, oh, as you know, I almost wanted to start the show right off without like discussing anything. Going, just going at it. It. We have the Cowboys signed Everson Griffin. We have padded practices today. I'm looking at. I'm seriously the whole weekend. I'm like, dude. We're we're gonna have to test ourselves here because people wanna hear about Everson Griffin. They want to hear about what's going on in practice, how people look, how everything's going down. And we gotta break down the AFC East. Like sorry, sorry, AFC East for the stuff. And I seriously, like I want people coming on and listening and excited to talk about everything with us, not just signings and this and that. So I'm kind of like this weekend, I'm, I'm a little bit like, damn, you know, what are we going to do? We got to bring it here. Like, this is a test for us because people are interested. We got boys and girls podcasts on. We got plenty of fantasy podcasts. We know Fantasy Finest. We know ATB, your fantasy podcast, is on. And people are on fantasy. And padded practices are coming. And we got to deal with, with AFC East predictions. And we're going to do it. We're going to get into it, you know. And then McCoy goes down. He ruptures his, his friggin tendon, and we lose him for the year. And that's like the three key guys on my on the team. You can't lose the quarterback. I know everybody freaks out about Zeke and everything, but you can't lose the quarterback. You can't lose Tank, and I and McCoy was like, I love the depth around the around the line, and and we'll survive it. Tyrone Crawford's like a McCoy is like a Tyrone Crawford plus. Great at three technique. He's a little bit better at everything than Crawford. But Crawford's there. So we're not like depleted. But it still is like a if you have McCoy and Tank, everyone else on that line is like, oh, my God. Like wrapped around McCoy and Tank, everyone else. But now we're back to like when we got Everson Griffin, it was like we covered every hole. Because the worry was, well, how's Crawford going to be coming off the injury? Well, now you got him. Crawford's just a piece. Like Tyrone Crawford was just a piece we're rotating in at places. Now it's back to, can he hold up a three technique? And we're going to get to AFC East and everything, but it just put a damper on it. Like it put a damper on the day. Like I was like, like the worry went from, okay, how are we going to get people to go? Hey, we're going to talk about Cowboys. We love Cowboys. We know there's big Cowboys news but we want to finish these predictions out. We got AFC East. We got NFC East and now McCoy hits. And I'm just like, man, it it just is a, is an arrow to the heart. I really love them. They, they, they put up that interview that they had before the season with Dave Helmer, where he talked about, he's only ever had one primetime game and he was going to get five this year. And it's just, it's not just the loss on the field, but like, he was, my, he was the guy for me on the defense. Like, I know Tank's a leader, but Tank isn't really a talker and stuff. He's an actions guy. McCoy will talk. He'll lead. He'll get out in front. Like, he's built to be the Cowboys guy there. And now he's gone. And it's just, I just got a rant to start off and, and just how upset I am that we lost that guy. And what a big, replaceable Crawford is, is there. And if he's there, he's fine. But man, I feel bad about losing him. I really do.
0: Well, Mike, Cowboys Nation, we can never have nice things. It seems like when all the stars are about to align, you know, a player decides to sit out or a player gets suspended, what have you, just things like that. And, of course, there's always the case of injury. I am curious, though. You did touch on it a little bit. Crawford was really just a piece. However, he's a versatile piece, and we've seen him line about defensive tackle, defensive end. Could you see him, when only having to worry about playing one position, could you kind of see him maybe not – Playing as well as McCoy up to that level, but at least filling that void. It's
1: it, the perfect example. is we talked about, me and me and my little brother uh, Mitch. He's uh, he's at Ms. Crumb on Twitter. If you want to give him a follow, he's like never on there, but whatever. Follow him. So he, we talked about and we were like, it's like having McCoy's like having a guy that's eighty nine, ninety, and Madden, and he plays three technique. He could play the the defensive end in a three four in the versatile lineup. Um, he can swing over to one technique in a uh, NASCAR type pass rush package. Crawford can do all of that. He just does it at an eighty-three, eighty-four on Madden instead right. of eighty-nine, nine. If that makes sense. So, and and the other question is, can he hold up? You know, he's coming off of a of big surgery, hip, and before he's coming in, and he's and now his snaps are down because. Uh, you want to get Gallimore and Hill looks behind McCoy. So, and you want to get Alden Smith looks behind Everson Griffin. And we don't know what's going to happen with Gregory. So Crawford's like that beautiful piece that can go at, somebody's out for the week. Crawford comes in and takes those snaps. No problem. Either position. He's not a guy that hurts you anywhere. But now he becomes McCoy's. He's McCoy. He gets McCoy snaps snap. now. That's his role. He's, he's done it right in. Forget that. You have Alan Smith. You have Everson Griffin. You have Dorrance Armstrong. Gregory might be coming back. We don't need him there. He's now the starting three technique. Gallimore plays the same spot. Hill plays the same spot. Maybe getting a few more snaps. But pretty much Crawford's a replacement. Does he hold up? Because if he does, you survive. You, you don't really even, you you go from a, a, a plus second tier team behind like Ravens, Kansas City, Saints, Niners. And now you're kind of like a in the mix second tier team. You kind of lose that bump that Griffin had gave you when it was Griffin, McCoy, Tank, Poe. And now you have all these guys, just all kinds of, you don't lose a lot when you rotate in because a fresh Crawford is as good as a tired McCoy, if that makes sense. But now the worry is, does does Crawford hold up? Is he still what he was before the surgery? Like that, that question mark you had going in at right in, now just goes to three technique. And it's a bummer. Like you said, we can't have nice things because we're going in going, oh my God. Our front line isn't Niners or Redskins, but after that, name another one. Name another one that we don't match up with. And now you lose McCoy and it's like, okay, we're still really good, but we're not like competing with the top tier guys. It's like Redskins, Niners, and then we're in the mix with some teams up there. Where with McCoy, you're like, Redskins, Niners, us. Like we're we're not their tier. They're the higher tier, but we're there. We're here we come after that. And now it's like, Okay, we have to hope Crawford holds up. And if he does and Gallimore and Hill are ready to contribute, then our line inside is solid. But if it's not, now we have to worry. Do we need to call a Dar- uh, Marcel Darius? You know, I hear people talking about sna- snacks, and I love snacks. I'm, but Poe's there already, and a three technique and a one technique just aren't the same thing. They don't They don't work the same. And you're not going to throw – Snacks and Poe out there because teams are going to run lateral on you and they're going to run lateral. They'll just never run up the middle. They're going to run lateral all day and try to beat you out there. You know, with, if you just play those two guys, it's not going to work the same. So I'm bummed. I know we're just getting started and we have stuff to do, but I'm bummed about it, but we'll survive it. If Crawford's okay. If Crawford and Gallimore and Hill are ready, and Tom Sula can do the work with him, And Alvin Smith can move over there too. If, if, you know, God forbid something happened to Crawford or, or he just, you know, didn't have it ready yet for a few weeks uh, coming off the surgery. But I am, uh, I'm bummed out a little bit. You know, I just, we can't have nice things. You said it perfectly. We just can't have nice friggin' things. Jerks.
0: Well, Mikey, you brought up a name that I'm interested in and, you know, we've seen guys sometimes uh, their rookie years they fall flat, they don't meet expectations, and then here comes a new coaching regime, and you know the the uh, writing is on the wall that hey, if you don't get your act together, you might not make this team. And you brought up leadership in McCoy. We talked a bit about it a few weeks ago with Alden Smith, and then uh, we're also Ty- uh, Tyron Crawford. He's been known to to be a good leadership, a good locker room guy. What what does this McCoy injury do for a player like Tristan Hill? Do you think
1: Hill? Um, I had Hill's when I was doing the 53 man projections, and man, since Griffin made that so easy. That flips. I had Hill as practice squad protected. So, with the new COVID, there's four guys that you get to put on that you go, uh, uh you can't touch this guy, like he's on our practice squad, but he's not going through waivers. And I had guys like Hill and I think Steele, who's an offensive tackle that. Um, you you don't want to lose offensive lineman like that, especially with Tyron's health. And I think Knight would make the team, and Steele would be one of the protected guys. There were the two. When well, now Hill's in, like I was glad to hear the the Crawford quote from him. He says he's building up pretty good, and he looks good out there, and he's full. Um, the guys that thought that after one year that a, the guy that's two years younger than Gallimore was just going to get cut, they're crazy. Will McClay made that pick, guys. I know it's a Rod Marinelli guy and he went earlier than we would have wanted. But if he was there in the third round uh, and we went with a different guy, we did, we went with Juan Thornhill and he fell. Will McClay still wanted him. Like this isn't one, uh, our, our GM I know is, is yacht Jerry and everything, but Will McClay is the scout. He's the de facto GM. And he made that pick and he wasn't just going to let that guy walk a 22 year old kid with the traits he has because that he, because he had an unproductive first year and he stunk it up his first year as, as you can put that all on him and say he was terrible and he was terrible in the locker room. Taco made it a few years before he was like, okay, we we've got replacements. We just got to get him out of here. And then he went to Miami and had a, a decent year. He wasn't bad at all. He got a few sacks, you know, Players take a while to build. You 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 get guys for traits. The problem was we drafted him early. If he was a fourth round pick, nobody would have cared. It's because they went out a limb because he was a rod guy and they got him in the second. And that's why. And now everybody wants to cut him. That that's stupid, people. I mean, just use your head. Use your critical thinking. He's younger. He's two years younger than Neville Gallimore, who we just drafted. And he has traits. He gets off the ball. He's built, he was actually building up size, I believe, to eventually be the one technique after Poe was gone. Now he's going to run, and he's going to be in the rotation of defensive tackle. However you want to put it, Poe's not going to be in there all day. Woods is going to come in, and you're going to have Crawford, Gallimore, and Hill rotating all in there. And uh, I expect him to be one of the four DTs. Uh, Mike McCarthy said he wants six edge, four defensive tackles. Woods, Poe. Gallimore and uh, Hill would have been that four and Crawford would have been seen as a as a DN who can move in. Well, now Crawford moves inside the technique to the three technique. And I think Gallimore Hill Woods and Poe and they become like a five instead of four. That's your five DT rotation.
0: Right. And, I, uh, you know, I think just McCoy injury just goes to show that the importance of adding depth and, you know, sometimes us Cowboys fans, we've been frustrated when top tier free agents, we don't seem to, we don't want to go out and sign those guys. We don't want to give free agents those big contracts anymore like we did in years past. And we're, we're going, we're kind of targeting those tier three, tier four guys at cheaper deals. But, you know, guys who are still somewhat proven but aren't guys we're expecting to start more so fill in for injury and things like that and also just goes to show that you don't want to quit on young talent after a year or two you know sometimes it takes a little while for a guy to develop and you you know you want to give him a couple years to see what you really have and I think again this McCoy injury just proves that and uh, you know just a bright spot It, it seemed like Tristan Hill was making a little bit of noise here early in camp I know it is early but it was nice to hear some positive positive reports coming from him
1: yeah i agree Craw- crawford look up terrence crawford's quote quote on uh on uh on hill guys and you'll see you know he goes sometimes things don't work out when you're young or, or, or a coach says stuff doesn't happen But he's like you don't you know you still the person still does stuff he still lifts weights he still watches film He still you know uh talks to coaches Jim Tom Sula may just be a better defensive line coach than Rod Marinelli and we've seen Rod Marinelli take some chicken shit and make chicken salad out of it but he also has had some pretty good lines and they've still been the same old chicken salad like you're like oh yeah you know um the chicken salad was good when he was working with chicken shit but now that he's got ingredients to make uh Peking duck, why the hell do we still have chicken salad, you know? And so maybe Jim Tom's is the type of guy that's like, no, no, I I can make the the chicken salad out of chicken shit too. But when you give me uh, the ingredients to make fried chicken, I'm going to make really good fried chicken. And we don't even have to settle for a chicken salad, you know? So maybe the better defensive line coach doesn't work with them. The point is he's a young guy with traits just because we overdrafted him and boy, did we, we overdrafted him. I get it. But just because we did overdraft him doesn't mean that he doesn't, the traits aren't there and you can't develop him. He's still a piece that could be molded in the next couple of years.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, during this time, he'll, uh, with a new coaching regime and a, a clean slate, he'll be able to prove, prove himself and, you know, maybe, uh, show us, show us signs of the uh, the player we thought we were drafting. And I know that uh, he had a a really good season in college. And then the following year with a new coaching regime, he kind of fell off there. And that was kind of uh, the big um, confusion, I guess, with everybody. It's like, why was he good one year? And this new coaching staff didn't even have him starting at some point. So it'll be nice to see. It'll be interesting to watch just because, again, you know, McCoy is such a big loss in the in the locker room and obviously on the field as well. Hopefully, uh, the coaching staff and the uh, the veteran leadership that we do have on the defensive line that you know maybe we can get some of these young guys to to exceed expectations and and play better than they maybe they they think that they can as well. Yeah,
1: I'll still you give me this defensive line that we have this year one billion times out of a billion over last year's without McCoy. I don't even care. A, every time. You, you will not convince me that Everson Griffin's not better, that we didn't improve right in with Griffin and, and 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 Smith, that we didn't improve defensive tackles with Gallimore and Poe being added and Crawford now being healthy moving in than we did with Collins and and Woods is our backup. He was our starter last year. Like he's a he's mm-hmm. a vocational guy. And I I'm an Antoine Woods guy. I I love him. Um, I heard he was a part of what happened to McCoy. Boy, he's gonna get killed for that. Stay off Twitter, Woods, because I love you, man. But you just your your name already has some issues with it in in a lot of Cowboys Twitter. And adding that you, it's a freak injury, people. And Woods is not the reason for it. Don't kill that guy for that. You know they were just doing what they do out there. It could have been anybody. Uh, it's a th- that type of injury is just a freaky injury. You know, it, it happens. So don't don't kill that guy. But the defensive line this year is better than last year. It just is.
0: Well, Mike, before we get into it, I'm curious. I hadn't heard how Woods was tied into this. What exactly is the story there? They, Cheryl,
1: they were doing a little drill, and Gerald McCoy was filling in to be the, the blocker, like he was the offensive line. I guess he fell back on, like Woods went back on his, uh, caused him to go back on his leg. And the, and the and the tendon ruptured. Like, it literally could have been uh, anything, you know? It, anybody, it, right? Yeah, it could have been anybody. It could have been the other way around. It's just a freak injury. But because we know... Dude, there's people in our Twitter sphere that believe Andy Dalton's better than Dak Prescott. So I'm just telling you... Yes. <laughs> Ant- Antoine Wood's going to get killed for this. And, uh, and I feel bad for him. I can't wait for McCoy to release a statement being like, it was just a freak injury that happened. So we can freaking get past that because uh, Woods is going to be important, man. Like I I love, I'd love to have snacks and have snacks and Poe, but I don't see snacks wanting to come into a spot where he's a backup to Don Terry Poe. I just don't see it where Antoine Woods doesn't want to be a backup. Like I love Antoine Woods. He hasn't done anything. David Snacks Harrison has been a, as good a one technique as there's been in football at a time in his career. As good a one technique as there is. Antoine Woods has never been that. And he doesn't want to be a backup. So that tells you all you need to know. I don't see snacks coming in. I think Marcel Darius is a much more likely name. But the honest truth is Crawford. There's a reason we didn't cut him. There's a reason we didn't restructure him. He's the guy. Gallimore and Hill are behind him. And we move on. We're on to the next guy, as Garrett would say.
0: Well, Mike, we brought everybody all the way down talking about the McCoy news, and let's try to bring them back up. Some positive news out of camp today is E.Q. Elliott. He was uh, apparently being asked about Mike McCarthy, and he was saying how he loves him and how everybody loves him. And it just seems like the vibe this year with the Cowboys around camp and everything seems different. And earlier today I asked you if you'd seen that McCarthy interview. And, you know, the reason I wanted to ask is just because, you know, last year Rob Jason Garrett you know when he would do his press conferences and things like that it was always you know cliches and just very robotic no emotion responses to things and you know today I watched Mike McCarthy and he just seemed like a real genuine person like he's not going to just give you the cliche answers of course he's not going to you know reveal his cards if he will but he's going to be open and honest about things. And uh, it seems like he's always going to give it to you straight. Well, you know, what are your thoughts on McCarthy? You know, what, what you've seen from him early in camp,
1: man, I, it's, it, he's going to get a positive rub just because he's not Jason Garrett. You, you know, Mike, right. me, me and Dan, uh, oh man, I asked him how to say his name, so I didn't butcher it, but I believe it's Rupert is, is how you say it. But if it, if that's the wrong pronunciation, Dan Rupert, yeah, just, Smack me in the face. When okay. You see me. Yeah. But we, we realized that we became Twitter buddies on there because we both just hate Jason <laughs> So really yeah. for, for us, uh, anything would have been a improvement. It just so happens. You got a Super Bowl winner who's, who has helped develop quarterbacks everywhere he's been. You know, a lot of people they go, well, yeah, look what he's done. Look at the quarterbacks he's had. Yeah. But his thing has been quarterbacks too, like, we forget like that has been his thing. Like he took Aaron Rodgers and rebuilt his whole he started with Favre and he rebuilt his whole throwing motion, everything over the first before Aaron Rodgers got out there in this fourth year. And uh he worked with Montana and he worked with young know, he's he's worked with a lot of good quarterbacks. So we don't give him credit because he's had great quarterbacks, but he also was the quarterback guy. Like that was his thing. So um, I loved hearing him talk about how they come out and do their little uh, position drill and They start out with the quarterback in there. You know, when the quarterback gets started in an offensive game plan thing, he doesn't have time to, he has to worry about the running back. He has to worry about the receiver and the offensive line. And he's got to worry about everything. So when he got out there and talked about, you know, how, you no, know, the start of the, 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 you know, day is always starts out with, the quarterback position drills, just working stuff that the quarterback to work on, not worrying about anything else going on with the offense. That was nice to hear. And, uh, yeah, it's nice to not have the, how we doing guys? And the same, we do what we do next man up. Like, uh, we like who we have, like ever Griffin would have never happened. We like who we have. We like our young guys. Like I like Dorrance Armstrong too. I, I, I said, uh, before on Twitter that I think he could be an eight sack guy. He has that kind of talent. If he started opposite tank, you still go get Everson Griffin. Like, I know you like your guys, but your guys aren't Everson Griffin. Like I'm a, i am I like Jalen jokes. I'd have liked to see him in this uh, offense. I hope he ends up coming back at some point. I hope he's not picked up somewhere and, and he's able to make it back to us, but you don't, you don't not get an Everson Griffin because you like Jalen Jelks. Like that's the type of stuff that we had to deal with, and now we have Mike McCarthy, and it's, it's just nice, Uh, I appreciate you telling me, because I had heard his other interviews, but I didn't know he had done one for the day, so thanks for putting me on to that, I listened to it, it's, I'll listen to Mike McCarthy all day, it's nice.
0: Absolutely, Uh, I, uh, you know, I'm glad I was able to share that with you, I'm looking forward just to hear him talking about the team, and how practices are going, and everything, and well, Mike, you know, we, we kind of had our end of episode conversation before our uh, ep- our episode um you know typically we like at the end of the at the end of the episodes each week we we have a little bit of cowboys discussion and we we went in reverse here this week so uh you know as we're getting into it mike remind everybody where we can find you out right on twitter
1: at cd piglet guys that's where i'm easy easy peasy name
0: and again guys i am paul ryan and you can find me at paul underscore ryan 15 uh, guys, three weeks ago, we added a new segment to the show. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, every Monday, Mike does what he calls a meatless Monday. And Mike, I'm curious, what was on the menu today?
1: Today was hard. Can I, I'm going to do this again to you because this is what I do to Paul. This is why he's such a good host. I'm going to throw him off again. You know, we I listen to Fantasy Finest and they, they gave me some crap about uh, the names. You know, my name's pretty easy, at CD Piglet. Your name, at Paul underscore Ryan. No big deal where they were talking about how I'm butchering butchering, uh, Will's name. Listen to his – I wrote this down. Now, Mark Knuckles Carter, that's easy. MC Nux. all capitalized, N-U-X. No big deal. Yeah. Easy. Listen to Will's name, and he wants me to get his name right. I am Hyperion underscore F-P-H. Capital I, lowercase a-m, capital H, lowercase y, capital P – Lowercase e r i o n underscore capital f p h. What do you want me to do with that? Like, man,
0: man, I thought it was like I am Furion.
1: It's I spelled it out perfect. I thought it was I am Hyperion. Is how I I always say it, but I just say will because it's okay because his name is hard. So like fantasy finest easy fantasy with a ys at the end instead of the you know and then finest with a ph instead of a easy right okay you know that's that's easy to but but man will they were uh was coming on and and ace they're coming on and 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 i know ace uh that they, they they had some time off for a for a thing but i'm looking forward to him getting back on but they came on and were getting on me about butchering his name. I was like, yeah, change that damn tag name. That's CD Piglet's easy. <laughs> that tag name is hard. Yeah. But I have so definitely
0: some interesting uh, spelling and in the uses of the uh, uppercase and lowercase letters for yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: So I'm like, I'm trying to give him a shout out. Like, man, you got to follow this guy. And I can imagine people going, follow who? Because. That tag name is, dips- but follow him. He really is a great Cowboys follower and a great fantasy follower. And now you can go back and hear the name totally spelled out, but change it, Will. I hear you talking about, ch- you got to change that. Jeez, Louise, I'll shout you out again when you do, but make that easier. And uh, I apologize for throwing you off. I know we're, uh, what, we're on Meatless Monday now.
0: Yes, but honestly, just just so I can I can make sure that I am saying it right. Is it I am Firion or will I am Hyperion? What let's is it? Ask
1: Will because I sp- I say it. As okay. I am Hyperion, and then it has a. I am Hyperion. P-H-P. Okay, he's Will. That's right. Why we're gonna make him change his name to Will with numbers after it. That's gonna be his tag name. we're gonna just have to force him.
0: Yeah, let's just call him Will. I like that. Yeah,
1: Will. Find will s on Twitter oh. we'll, you you go back and get the tag name and then we're gonna make him change it and then we'll shout him out again
0: yes because you know I know that the people definitely appreciate the easy spellings and the uh, minimal usage of the uh, underscores and the uppercase lowercase letters and the numbers and things like that we don't want to mistake anybody for a bot yeah
1: exactly we get that that uh, MC nux capital MC. N-U-X. Easy. Follow him, and then you'll find your way to Will because they co-host the Fantasy's Finest. So just follow MC Nux and forget about Will. No, Will, Will you'll find on MC Nux friend list. Until he changes his name, nobody follow Will.
0: <laughs> yes, and if you're following, unfollow him until he changes yeah, exa- his name. Yeah,
1: exactly. I'm unfollowing him, and then I'm going to make him change his name, and then I'll follow him again.
0: Well, all right, Mike, you, th- you threw another curveball at me as you usually do. Back to it. What, what was on the menu today for Meatless this Monday? Is another
1: McCoy situation, man. I'm so down. Okay, so I've been working. You guys have seen the, the stuff I've been cooking and stuff. I do a pretty good damn job. I've been working with a coil oven, friggin' coil, like out of home economics class, 80s. And I just got a new oven, a uh, a really nice dual ovens, uh, two different ovens. So I could do like two things at two different temperatures. So if you got like a thin crust pizza and a bigger piece, you got to do them different temps or a turkey and stuffing. And a gas uh, an electric range. It's nice. Like I'm happy. So last night I'm prepping this chili and uh, we're going to do chili dogs. So I'm like, I'm prepping this chili. And my best friend's over watching the show. And I go, yeah, I got this chili on you know, it'll be done about 1130. I'm gonna let it cool. Because as you learn to cook, it's hard to do it. But if you make things like stew and lasagna and chili, it's better to make it the day before, let it sit, and then just reheat it until cooking temperature because it all comes together. And it's, it's so good. You got to trust me on this. It's hard, guys, but but do it. But she goes, Oh, you made a meatless chili. I didn't. I made a three meat chili. And so now I can't have it today. And I want chili dogs so bad. And I, to this minute, don't know what I'm eating. Because I was having chili dogs. And I forgot it was Meatless Monday. And I'm excited about Cowboys. And, and now I can't have my chili dogs. McCoy tears his quadricep. And I don't know what I'm having. So I'd love to give you a, a thing. But I don't know yet. I'm going to figure it out after it gets out of here. And tomorrow I'm having damn chili dogs. And that's what I want.
0: So, Mike, you mentioned three meats. How, do you also put beans in your chili?
1: Okay, so I know because you're from Texas, I'm going to get heat from it. I'm on a Weight Watchers plan. Beans are a zero-point protein. So I pe- I put beans in my salad. I put beans in, in anything I can get. Tacos, add beans, it, so yes i'm putting beans in my chili and i know that people hate it i'm making chili beans and i'm not making real chili but it's free you know how hard it is to get free points on your weight watchers on your points plan i need those beans man give me a break
0: well, you know what I, I i uh i definitely prefer my my chili with beans oh, i know texas out here people uh that's like a sin for some te- some Texans but no, put put all the beans you want in my chili. I'll tell you that.
1: Look, people people that complain about that about that I'm sorry to tell you guys in Texas. You just cuz they they not only complain about that, they complain about Cincinnati chili where you put the chili on noodles. Put chili on anything. What are you talking about? Cornbread, put beans in it. Put spicy, you want it spicy? You want it to have really good meat. You want it to have a, a good spicy flavor with some depth behind it. And then anything else don't matter. Cornbread, noodles, beans. The, all of it's good. What are we complaining about here? What are you talking about? No, you can't have beans. Yes, I can. Does it taste good? Then throw beans in it. I don't care. You know what this chili has? It's a different recipe than I'm not used to. It's got carrots and celery and adobo chili. And um, it does not have chili powder. It gets its spice from adobo, chili and adobo, and other ways, uh, cayenne pepper, and some other um, uh, hot hung- Hungarian paprika. So it's the first chili I've ever had that didn't have chili powder in it. And, and I tasted it last night mm-hmm. because you have to taste your food. I tasted it last night, not today, because I'm, I'm not going to break my meatless Monday. And it's amazing. And it doesn't even have chili powder in it. Things can be different and be good, and it's Okay i like chili without beans that's fine too i like it i'll put it on my hot dogs and and eat it in a bowl and eat it on cornbread and i eat it on noodles don't be so picky you know how much i want to have any of that right if it tastes beans, good enjoy it sorry another rant <laughs>
0: no it's so good i was just gonna say you know if it uh if it tastes good you know enjoy it and don't cook the same thing all the time. It's always good to try new things. And, uh, you know, Mike, that kind of sounds, I don't know if that's like a Southwestern chili recipe, but it seems like you're having to uh, reach far into the uh, spice rack for that, for that recipe there.
1: Yeah. What it is is, is see, is I was trying to, I got a bunch of uh, veal and I had a bunch of ground beef and a, gr- a bunch of pork and I made meatloaf and I made the lasagnas and I made the meatballs as you, if you follow me on Twitter, I've been posting all of them. So I meet a bunch of them, I put it in the freezer, but I had two pounds of veal left and I had uh, about two and a half pounds of ground beef and I had some uh, spicy Italian sausage. So I looked up and I said, okay, I'm going to make deep dish pizza, pizza with a half of this uh, veal, sausage, ground beef, put some sausage seasoning in and I'm going to use that. I'm going to make my own sausages and I'm going to make deep dish pizza. And then I'm going to take this other one and I'm going to make chili because they had these Casper hot dogs, real long, long good snap like uh, you would find in new york type hot dogs and i was like i'll make chili dogs but i was like i haven't made chili with veal so i looked up a recipe and and veal's a little bit sweeter so it was a way to um it was a way to kick it up with chipotle chilies and and cayenne that kind of counteract the sweetness of the veal and uh and it had mm-hmm. uh, spicy italian sausage in it as well so I made that type of chili because I like to try stuff different, and it, it tastes great. Veal's such a good, you know. I know it's a, a crappy thing to have veal. I get it; people don't like that, but sometimes, man, I, I just like to have it. Okay, so I'm having that tomorrow, and I'm down that I can't have it today. But don't don't get so picky with your stuff. Eat. I get in a fight with people all the time. I like. I make cauliflower tacos. I I put them in a fish fry and I bake them. And I serve them with a salsa verde. Oh, no, I'd never have that. Yes, you would, because if you came here and ate one bite of it, you'd be telling me, damn, can I have five of those tacos? I promise you. So you hear cauliflower, and you think it's not, but you just haven't tasted me cookie yet. If you tasted it, you would be like, cauliflower tacos are amazing, because they are, because I can cook them. And chili with beans and chili without beans and chili on noodles are amazing if the person cooking them can cook good chili and good pasta and good cornbread rant over
0: <laughs> yeah be, just one more food take I, I i think uh chili and cornbread is for me at least is right up there with the uh good old-fashioned chili dog man that's a that's a uh, one of my favorite combinations for sure
1: absolutely love it my uh my mom's uh husband makes this cornbread and we really have to like steal a piece before our roommate gets it because our roommate will have everything with it. Chili. He loves that cornbread. And, uh, and he like, like that would be his birthday request. He would want Claude to just make him a huge thing of cornbread. And so he could eat it. Our buddy Tim that lives with us, he, he loves that cornbread man. If we had it right now with this chili, shoot, I should ask him. I'm going to ask him to make cornbread. Look at this. Look at this podcast. We haven't even started on the AFC East. We're like 30 <laughs> minutes in. Nobody wants to hear about the AFC East. We talk cowboys and food and my my best friends and my my what my housemates and my mom's husband cooks and. We're so far from AFC East, nobody wants to talk about AFC East. We got to do it guys We're 30 minutes and we got to get to the AFC East. It's just how it is.
0: Well, Mike, I'm sure the people appreciate the back and forth, but like you mentioned, we should probably get into it. And last week we broke down the AFC North, a division that you and I both think could be the best division in the NFL. And uh, I have here was actually the third week in a row that we have a different Teams winning the the division, but actually it's the fourth week in a row. Uh, we had different winners for the AFC South, the NFC South, the AFC North, and also the NFC North. But um, last week you had the Ravens winning the division at thirteen and three, and I had the Browns winning the division at eleven and five. I actually made a le- last minute change live on air. Uh, where initially I had both Cleveland and Baltimore going 11-5, and five, and I decided to make the change after looking over Baltimore's schedule. I decided after a tough stretch of early games to begin the season that Baltimore was going to lose week four against Washington. And what I think would be an interesting matchup, you know, those defenses going head-to-head there. And this week we're staying in the AFC, and we're breaking down the AFC East. You know, Mike's mentioned that a couple of times. Uh, this division, though, is very interesting to me. We've seen – some turnover maybe not so much quantity but the quality of turnover is what is what is going to be the uh, difference maker in this division in my opinion and this week we're going to start off with the Miami Dolphins and in 2019 they went 5 and 11 their division record was 2 and 4 they missed the playoffs and in 2020 their strength their strength of schedule is the third most difficult Mike, talk to us a little bit about the Miami Dolphins.
1: The AFC East, Miami Dolphins. We can't move Cleveland into the AFC East or anybody re-talk about the AFC North. Okay, here it is, Dolphins. I actually like the Dolphins, which is funny. Um, I love the way they're being built. They're just not ready yet. They they just aren't. You know, there's a reason why Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be slated as a starter. He's the holdover. Um, I'd be very afraid to put two in behind this offensive line. Um, right now they have Eric flowers is a starter for them at guard. Uh, the other guys you don't know. Uh, I don't either. They're not very good. And I would be terrified with Tua's injury history to put him out there. He would at best not see the field till eight, 10 weeks in. Um, as far as weapons go, Devonte Parker's nice. Preston, uh, Williams. I like him. Um, I, I, the duo is a one-year duo of Howard and Matt Brady. They got to find somebody in the draft. Uh, you know,
0: Hey Mike, yeah. I hate to cut you off, but you're kind of cut, cutting in and out my brother. Oh,
1: am I? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. We're talking about dolphins. I apologize for that. Uh, you hear me about, uh, sitting two of this most of this year because of the offensive line. If that broke up, I apologize. But basically the offensive line's not great. And um and I would not play Tua. I like some of their weapons at wide receiver. They're running back so the running back and starting quarterback are both holdovers. They got a they have the replacement in Tua, but they need to replace the running backs for one year, Jordan Howard and Matt Brady will be fine, but they're not your future going forward. I love what they've done with this defense. They're building it. I mean, it's it's got a ways to go. But they signed Kyle Van Noy. They signed Shaq Lawson. Uh, they have Godchalk and Wilkins, who I like inside. Curtis Weaver, drafting him and Raquan Davis to uh, bolster that um, and hope to build it for the future. They brought in our boy, um, Byron Jones. We miss him in Dallas. He, Him and Xavier Howard are going to be a good one-two and they brought in Noah Igmanogony and he was one of my top corners in the uh in the draft I had him rated just under Diggs um I like him a lot they're they're just a ways away I think I think they have t- a co- a really good coach and they have enough pieces to upset some people but as far as contending you know there's a reason the Patriots won so many years in a row all these other teams were always like they're they're a year away. They're a year away from being a year away. Well, I think Dolphins are honestly a year away from being a year away. I think next year they bolster up the line and they get Tua and maybe they find their running back late, and uh, and then they only need a couple pieces from there and for the offense to build together. I think the defense is under the uh, the coach going to be pretty good. So I have Dolphins. Going seven and nine, I think that's about what their roster is. I have them getting some upsets mm, okay. in there. Yeah, I, I have them doing well. Like, they have pieces, and their schedule is tough as it is. They have a lot being uh, a, a East Coast team. They have a lot of things where travel plays in their way, and I'll go over that in a little bit, but I want to let you um uh, run with them too. What are you thinking for the Dolphins this year?
0: Well, Mike, you, you mentioned the um, that Ryan Fitzpatrick would be starting over two, and that's kind of made it difficult for me to to uh, do the record prediction because I wasn't sure if uh, they were going to give two the opportunity to start. You know, depending on how camp went and depending on how his recovery was going from injury, or or if it was going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I just kind of did it with the mindset that. Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the starter and maybe, you know, of what might fill in at some point, but you know, again, I, I was, I had the mindset that Fitzpatrick was going to start and I actually have the dolphins going five and 11 this year. Uh, the first 10 weeks, I do have uh, a couple of bright spots. I have them upsetting Arizona in a uh, surprise win, and then I have them beating the New York Jets. Those are in weeks nine and ten. But even after that, though, I still think that after ten games, they are going to have a four and six record. I do like like the uh, late bye week, bye week eleven. You know, I've I've said that quite a few times on the pod how I uh, favor the late bye weeks. However, weeks fourteen through seventeen are where it gets tough. They face Kansas City week 14 new England week 15 then they're at Las Vegas week 16 and at Buffalo week 17 I actually have them going 0-4 during that stretch so uh, again you know I, the uh, Dolphins are looking better better this year than they did last year seed additions really to most people when you talk about the trades that they made the talent that they lost last year and they went 5-11 and 11 in 2019 but I, again I, I have them uh repeating that and going five and 11 here in
1: 2020 I uh, I think that uh, sharks this the schedule works out where really good bettors are gonna catch people betting high against the dolphins because they're not great they're still building and the teams I have them upsetting a few teams that I don't think people expect um and that that some people and like, hey Mike you're breaking up again man they they're getting me on this can you hear me
0: no, yeah, you, I, I couldn't really hear anything You've been kind of going in and out I
1: apologize man I don't know uh, what it is If I'm holding my phone uh, incorrectly or what But you can hear me okay now
0: Yeah you're perfect okay. right now Sorry about that No I'm... no
1: I'd rather uh, no uh, I have uh, the Seattle game Seattle's got to go cross country While uh, the Dolphins have a 10 days off Before I think that's uh, Very possible that that could be an upset The Rams are off the short week and they have to go to, uh, uh, they have to travel cross country. Uh, Since the Cincinnati Bengals game, they play three out of four on the road before they come into uh, Miami for that fourth game. The Pats are coming off a trip where they go to the Chargers and to the Rams and then have to go all the way back across country to the Dolphins. I think that could be a few games where they could steal. Um, they also have some bad ones. Uh I know, um, uh, the, uh, the Raider game, the, they have, the Raiders are off 10 days rest and they have three straight at home, which is brutal, uh, because obviously the Dolphins have to cross country over to, uh, Las Vegas. And then, uh, they have to go cross country to the 49ers and then at Denver. And that's a killer back-to-back road games, uh, that are really tough for them. Other than that, the schedule plays out pretty basic. It's just, I have them seven and nine because I just don't think they match up well. uh, A lot of games, they have a few upsets they're going to get. That's going to surprise people um, because of the way their schedule breaks down travel wise uh, and their team has some talent. So they're not, you know, that will make a difference. You know, they're, they're close enough to other teams to where, uh, Travel schedule and breaking down stuff like that's going to matter because their defense is going to play them tough and uh, and they have enough weapons to make some plays and we know Fitzpatrick will throw it out there. So I think I think five and 11 anywhere from five and 11 seven and nine is pretty reasonable for them this year um, and they're building to hand the team over to Tua in 2021.
0: Right, and you, you brought up a uh, interesting point. You talk about the way they're building their team. It seems like they're, instead of building that defensive line, you know, building from the inside out, they're building from the outside in, and they addressed a lot of pieces in the secondary. What are your thoughts there? Do you think that's maybe the the new wave of the NFL where it's become a such a pass-heavy league that maybe you should strengthen your secondary before you strengthen your defensive line? Yeah, and maybe go
1: use draft capital, Early on your defensive line, but then sign free agents and get depth at your uh, defensive backs. Because I mean, they do they do right. come into it with Godchalk Wilkins, uh, and then they got Weaver and they got Raquan Davis, and they signed Shaq Lawson to a decent, you know, it wasn't a bank-breaking deal, but they did. And Kyle Van Oy is the type of linebacker that is a four-three over pass rusher. So they did enough up front in the little stuff that they did, but then they went out and used, you know, top capital. Noah Igman I think, was a third. I could be off on that, but I think he was a third. They bring in big money at the time, the highest-paid cornerback for about a day before Darius Slay uh, for Byron Jones, Um, and they've already paid Xavier Howard. So, you know, yeah, they, they put their money in their secondary. And I, I believe it's because, uh, he's an old Pats guy and that's how Pats do it. Pats, you know, spend capital on your, on your, uh, your D your DBs and make sure you can cover with, uh, Gilmore and their safeties that they have, the McCordy brothers. And I think he's just following that lead.
0: You know, one thing I did find interesting as well, it's you think about the, uh, The depth of talent with the offensive, uh, the skill players in this draft and Dolphins, they didn't draft a running back or a wide receiver. I found that kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, they went. I know they got they needed to get Austin Jackson. They they really need to rebuild that offensive line. But if you look at them like the little signs that Jordan Howard's going to be fine. Matt Brady brings a a, Mm -hmm. a different type of back for when Jordan Howard goes out. Mm -hmm. Um uh Preston Williams with uh Fitzpatrick's been fine. Devontae Parker ended the year on a tear. So they have pieces and I I just don't think I don't think they're gonna rush two out. So I believe the idea was get the defense paid for this year. Like if they go into next year with this defense with the rookies just getting an extra year. Of uh of experience, their defense is going to be pretty good. You know, not top ten or anything, but they're going to be a solid defense. They're not going to kill you. <clears throat> so you go into the draft, and you grab yourself another offensive lineman, a wide receiver late that can play in the slot, and a running back. You know, a second round, say, running back. And now your offense goes in with Tua with a chance to to put up. Your defense is good, and now you go in and and you look at the divisions not great you know you got to see what the patriots are going to do going forward without brady and the bills are kind of the class of the division people are assuming because they made the playoffs last year and now uh, new england doesn't have brady so you know i i like i honestly like miami's prospects more than any other team in this division if we're talking about two years down the road
0: oh wow that's interesting well, while we're still talking about this division, Mike, uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the New York Jets. In 2019, they went 7-9. and nine. Their division record was 2-4. and four. They missed the playoffs, and their 2020 strength of schedule is the second most difficult in the NFL. Mike, what are your thoughts on the New York Jets? I
1: hope my older brother doesn't listen to this because he's a Jets fan and I just feel bad for him. They're a terribly run organization. They have a horrible head coach. They got a great deal for Jamal Adams. I'll give them that. They they got a hell of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, just their, their COVID list. Like, they lost CJ Mosley to the COVID list, and they traded Jamal Adams. Like, they're just – they're gross. They lost Robbie Anderson. Um, Brian Winters went to Buffalo. I think he might have opted out now. Uh, <clears throat> I don't like them at all. They tried to bring in some guys like – Perryman will be fine for them. I'm a big fan of Sam Darnold. I should say that right out. Huge fan. Going into that draft, he wasn't as high on my list. I I think he's the best one from that top guys that all went. I like him. I would love, if he was in Cleveland, I'd probably pick them to win the division. And I like Baker. Baker, I had higher than him. I think Baker will be fine. But I just think Sam Darnold, for what he's been able to do with what he's given, as just miraculous like he he's given nothing like he it just the the team stinks I don't trust Gase like I'm not picking uh I'm not using Le'Veon Bell or Sam Darnold or Mims or any of them in fantasy until Gase is gone I don't trust any of them uh I go I look at the team Frank Gore and Le'Veon Bell good running back duo I like them Sam Darnold good uh, I think Christopher Her- Herndon going to be a surprise at tied in this year. The offensive line they brought in, Becton, they're not a horrible offensive line. Brashard Perryman, Jamison Crowder, and Denzel Mims have potential to be a good uh, receiving core. Crowder one of the better slot guys in the league. I don't trust Gase. I think Gase stinks. I think he's terrible. I think he'll do less with this talent. I, don't, I honestly have no idea how um, – how uh, he's gotten a job. I get that uh, that he worked with Peyton Manning, but it was Peyton Manning, people. It, it's not really him, you know? So they bring him in there. I don't like him. I, I think they're going to stink this year, unfortunately, for Sam Darnold. I think it's not fair to him because people are going to be questioning if he gets the, the uh, fifth-year option, and it, it's terrible because – I think he's really good, and he's going to go five and eleven again. And they're going to be terrible, and that's what I have him as. I have him as five as eleven, and I don't like him.
0: Well, Mike, you uh, you make me feel better about my my prediction. I uh, I actually have him going two and fourteen, good. and I think uh, you, you look at their schedule. They start off with Buffalo, then San Francisco, then Indianapolis, then Denver after a short week, and then they face Arizona, Chargers, Buffalo again, Kansas City, and then they face uh, New England and Miami. Those are their first 10 weeks to start off the season. Here in my notes, let's see, I have them going – let's see, I I, I think they get embarrassed on Monday Night Football by the Patriots, and then I have them losing to Miami right before the bye week, and I think the Jets fire Adam Gase during the bye week. I – after the first 10 weeks, I had them going one and nine. Uh, you know, the, I think this might be the hard, hardest schedule, especially first 10 weeks of any team that we've covered so far uh, doing these breakdowns. I think they they have the hardest schedule that, I, that I've seen. Not a lot to be excited about for – for the New York Jets. I know that Le'Veon Bell, you know, he recently said that he was excited for the offense. And I, I do, like you, I think Sam Darnold's a, a good quarterback as well. And they have some good pieces on offense. And they made some additions to that offensive line that was a a, a big need last year. It's just, um, you know, you mentioned the losses they they suffered on defense. And then they're also without Jamal Adams. There's just it was hard for me to even give them those two wins to be honest, but you know it's pretty rare that a team's not going to win a a single game. I mean, you know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again, right? But it's just uh, n- nothing to be excited about for the Jets until they get rid of Adam Gase, like you said.
1: Yeah, I uh, I have them going one and seven in their first few games. You want to know a trip though? I have them sweeping New England. How? What? Yeah, I swear. Um I would have to So how was that? How's that I would have to go over my notes, but I'm sure it's a travel thing. Like I have here, I know at the I have them at the end of the year at like uh three wins, and then I have them beating Cleveland, New England to end the year. And um it's uh I know the Browns game, they have four road games in five days to end. So I -hmm. think Jets are gonna be at a point where they're kind of uh crappy and they're just trying to end the season off right and uh sam Darnold, Mm -hmm. you know is still going to be playing for the contract and so i think the last two weeks they're gonna as crappy as they're gonna be they're gonna pull off a couple upsets the funny thing is is i looked at it right now and i was like wow i have them beating new england twice and i looked at my notes i don't have anything about it on there that's that's a real that's like oh new england had to do this that i didn't even mark it I just have them when it's a Monday night football game, they come on the road after uh, a loss to Kansas City. But I don't have, I would have to look at New England's schedule. They have, they go, oh, I see. They go uh, at, they have Niners at Buffalo, at Jets, and then Baltimore. I guess I could see it as a trap game and maybe I forgot to mark it down because they're at Buffalo and then they're facing Baltimore the next week. But man, my, and, and I, ha, I was like, maybe I marked it wrong. I went into the new Englands. No, I marked it the same. So I somehow have came up with a way to have the jets going five and 11, one and seven, their first thing, but Oh yeah, they're going to sweep new England. So just never listen to me on picks again, because I have no idea how I have them sweeping new England, but I went over the thing. I go, I, I have them here. There's a Broncos game. I have them winning. And it's because the Broncos have to go at Pittsburgh, then home, then all the way out to uh, the Jets game. And they're on a short week because it's a Thursday night football game. And I normally pick Thursday night football home teams. So that's one that I totally get. Browns are four road games in five days. That I totally get. How the hell I got them sweeping New England? No idea, people. This is what the AFC East does to you. You have to go over the AFC East, and you end up having the friggin' 5 and 11 terrible Jets somehow sweeping the New England Patriots. So I'm going to go with you. They're going to go 3 and 13, and they're going to lose both those games in New England. I can't believe I have that on there. That had to have been a mistake. I changed my picks now. 3 and 13. And then if they end up sweeping New England, and it really happens. I'm going to feel like an idiot for making that change. I'm going to be like, yes, I could have had it all along.
0: Yeah, well, you know, we're going to get into it. But, you know, New England, it'll be interesting to see how you feel about them. And if you think that that the lowly Jets were going to sweep them this year, I, I can't wait to hear how you broke down the the Patriots. But before we do that, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills. In 2019, they were 10 and six. Their division record was three and three. They make it to the wild card round of the playoffs, only to lose to the Houston Texans. And in 2020, their strength of schedule is the fifth most difficult. Mike, talk to us about Buffalo. Buffalo is,
1: man. I feel like Buffalo is like default. Like they're good. Like I like their coach a lot, and I think he sets them up for mm-hmm. success. Their defense is obviously right. uh, really good. They have um, Tredavious White's one of the premier corners in the league. Uh, they have good safety play. I hated that they brought in Josh Norman. I have no idea what they were doing bringing in Josh Norman. But if he could turn Josh Norman around, the, 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 the Bills defensive people are incredible. Um, I love their front. Matt Milano's excellent. Tremaine Edwards is excellent. They bring in A.J. Epinesa to go along with Hughes and Mario Addison and Ed Oliver um they they've got guys. They're they're there's a reason their defense is is really good. But do I think they're like better than really any of the 3 AFC North teams? Not really of the 3 that we thought were really good. I don't like Josh Allen as much as Baker or Sam Darnold. Uh he's fine. He's got a big arm. It's a good job going to get in digs because Allen will not, it's going to have trouble over uh throwing Stefan Diggs. He gets open and he gets to the ball. But you look through, they're like, they're like the Madden team you could play with and be happy. Like they don't have any real weaknesses. <clears throat> I look, Devin Singletary, Alden, Zach Moss. That's a good running back group. Josh Allen is a uh-huh. not quarterback. Nothing great. He's fine. The O-line's okay. It's nothing special. Wide receiver core, John Brown, Stefan Diggs, Beasley, pretty good wide receiver core. So they have like. Like, if they if there was, like, a, a a division that was, like, loaded, like the NFC West, I wouldn't think they were that great. But in the AFC East, you know, they made the playoffs last year. I have no reason to think they won't make the playoffs this year. I have no reason to think they won't be a winning team. They're not weak anywhere. But they're blah. They're they're exactly what the AFC East is. They're just blah. I have them going 10 mm-hmm. six. um went, Even their draft, like, FNS is a good draft pick. You know, I like him. I love his fit in Buffalo, but he's not like, you know, oh, wow, a team. We got CD Lamb and they got AJ Epinesa. Like, okay. They got, I like Dane Jackson. That was another guy. And of course, Moss coming in and being the kind of goal line, the gore replacement uh, for Singletary. And then like Dane Jackson, I like him late, but they didn't, you know, they, they losing a, uh, Who's the guy that retired from them uh, that's been with Buffalo forever? I really love that guy, too. And I'm blanking on his name. White dude, defensive tackle. Um, and I, I'm blanking. But they brought in Star Lua to to basically supplement him. And he went off on the COVID list. So – they're nothing special. I don't expect them to make any noise in the playoffs. If they win a game, I'd be surprised. They're they're not going to beat Kansas City. I would be surprised if they beat uh uh Baltimore Texans. They're okay. Maybe they build into something. Maybe Allen takes a step and they really become something special. But right now, I have them as their your basic ten and six blah team. Uh, they're they're there because they're the division they're in. But sorry, Bills fans. I don't I don't really love them. And they kicked our ass worse than anybody last year. The one team that really beat our ass was Buffalo. So you would think I would give them the respect, but um, I just don't. You know, they beat the Jason. If, if you show them the puzzle like Jason Garrett likes to do where they know what's coming, Buffalo Bills can beat you. You know, but I just feel like they're not special. They're not, I'm not taking them in my pool.
0: Yeah, Mike, I, I, uh, I'd i have to agree with you. I do like the Bills. I think they're the uh, most balanced team probably in this division when you think about offense, defense, and special teams there. Um, you know, I, I think the jury's still out on Josh Allen. He does have that big arm, but not very accurate. He kind of um, – I, I feel like his career path is that similar to, to Dak Prescott where – you know, people are saying that he's inaccurate. You know, they don't really appreciate him, but the guy finds ways to win. You know, we we saw him um, – again, you, you brought up the uh, game against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. I'll never forget that that big fourth down conversion that he made where he just – he wanted it more than anybody on our defense. And he picks that one up and that kind of uh, changed the uh, the tone of the game there. And we saw what happened um, – you know, we saw what happened that night where Buffalo just just really put it on us there – that being said, I do like their first 10 weeks of the schedule. I had them going 7-3 after playing 10. They had the uh, late bye week again, another week 11 bye week for an AFC East team. Uh, weeks 12 through 17 get a little harder, but not by much. They have to face the uh, Chargers, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Denver, New England, and Miami. I have them going 3-3 three and three during that stretch. And my record prediction for the Buffalo Bills is actually nine and seven this year in twenty twenty.
1: It's crazy. We have almost the same because I have the same record going into the bye week, and then I have them three and three at the end. So we must just have one uh, different one that makes it from ten and six to uh, to nine and seven.
0: Well, you know, my, actually, Mike, my math is off because I have them seven and three after 10 and then going three and three. So seven plus three is 10 and then three plus three is six. So I must've, you know what? I know what it is. I made an adjustment when I was doing the, the new England and I forgot to make the chain against the, uh, for the bills. Cause I actually have them going, I still have them going seven and three after 10. However, during weeks 12 through 17, instead of them going three and three, I have them going three and four and that's where they were going to lose to the Patriots. So excuse me, guys, uh, forgive me. I, w- I don't usually do too much math, but I-, I have the bills going nine and seven. and I had them losing to the Patriots week 16.
1: Yeah. So I have that loss too. So 10 and six, nine and seven, about the same. We feel the same way about them. Like, Default wise, they're up there. They're gonna be in the division, uh, wild card race. I really like their coach and all, but they're very, eh, they're uninspiring. Which is, I mean, you come in and you could kick the shit out of Dallas, uh, you know, but uh, you could also, you know, lose to a, a team that you really like. If Jets beat them once, I wouldn't be like, oh wow, you know, they could lose in division just because they don't have anybody special on their team.
0: I am definitely excited to see the uh, combination of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. I think that that is the perfect type of receiver for Josh Allen. You you brought it up that Allen's not going to be able to overthrow Diggs depending on how that their chemistry works out and can Singletary take the next leap. Like a lot of people are projecting, you know, Diggs could be the, the missing link at, you know he could uh, be the one that unlocks Josh Allen's talent there. Uh, again, though, I, I do think that Buffalo Bills are the most balanced team in this division. However, I did still have them going nine and seven, and that brings us up to our last team, the uh, New England Patriots. In 2019, they were 12 and four. Their division record was five and one. They made it to the wild card game, wild card game, and lost to the Tennessee Titans. And their 2020 strength of schedule is the hardest in the NFL. Mike, talk to us about the Patriots. I'm
1: so interested in this. This is the one team I'm really interested in because this roster's three and thirteen. Like they, they, they do not have. Wow, they don't have a lot of guys. They just don't. They just have a great coach. Their coach is elite. But I mean, okay, let's run through uh, Sony Michelle and James White. Okay. Like, James White's good receiving. Will he be good with Cam receiving? You know, he's good in Tom Brady's system. Uh, Sony Michelle's okay. He's You don't want him, really, as your every-down running back. How about receivers? Nikhil Harry's done nothing in this league. Julian Edelman, is he anything without Tom Brady? You know, we've seen Wes Walker go elsewhere and not make it. Does Julian Edelman work with Cam Newton and the way Cam Newton wants to, to play? How about the offensive line? They have Isaiah Wynn. And they lost uh, uh, Cannon to COVID. Um, they're okay inside. They're nothing special. Uh, I like Cam, but we don't. We honestly don't know what he is. Last time we saw him, he was killing under Norv Turner. But we don't know what he's going to do with New England. Okay, how about the defensive side of the ball? This is this is what's under at, at their depth chart at Outlands.com. Now somebody may have a a COVID thing or something or other, but. It's a guy Lawrence, a Bue Allen, a John Simon, Chase Winovich, uh, Bentley Johan. I know Josh Ush will get in there at some point. He's the rookie. They brought in Anthony Jennings, will, but they're both uh, they're both um, rookies. They lost Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower to the COVID to the opt out year. So I mean, they have Devin McCourty, Jason McCordy, and Stefan Gilmore, and Chase Winovich. Other than that, who are you taking? Dallas. Dallas' defense is 19th in DVOA last year. We made some adjustments to our defense line, but who are you taking on that team that you would that you would put over a Dallas Cowboys team? And we're at, we were average defense last year. Like they, they just don't have a lot of talent. And I still, this is a this is a, a testament to how great Bill Belichick is. I have them going eight and eight, like, uh, and I'm looking. I'm looking. It's just he's he's one of the guys that when I do my projections on uh, travel and bye week and uh, and who do other teams play the weeks before they play, Bill Belichick uses that to a T. Like if you go over his schedule. He's so good off of bye weeks. Um, he's really good when teams have to come from cross country to play him. Like he, he knows how to get the best out of that. He knows. Like I truly believe he looks over and sees those things. And uh, I have him going eight and eight with a three and thirteen. And I think you know Tampa Bay is going to end up going you know eleven wins or ten wins or whatever. I think you had him at twelve. And people are gonna go, well, look at how great Brady is. Man, I'll take new in New England at eight and eight, Bill Belichick did a better job than Brady if he goes eleven and five. Just because look at what they have to work with and look at what Bill Belichick has to work with. Um that's me though. I'm I'm interested to see where you are with them because I just I just don't see it on their roster. I don't I Eight wins feels like they made the playoffs. Like that's how good I think that job would be with the roster that Bill Belichick has right now.
0: Well, Mike, I'm definitely a little bit more optimistic than you. I actually have the Patriots going ten and six. So, you know, maybe a couple of games there where you and I differ, obviously. Uh the the first five weeks of the season I really like for the Patriots. They face Miami, Seattle, Vegas, Kansas City, and Denver. Really, the only tough matchups that I saw there were Seattle and Kansas City. I had him going three and two during that first five weeks. I guess maybe it is I'm just I'm more confident in what Cam Newton can do. you know, Belichick being the mad genius that he is. he knows what he's working with on defense and you you mentioned the the lack of the top tier offensive weapons that he has he's probably going to put more of a focus on the run game and we don't know if it's going to be Sonny Michelle or James White or, you know, a, a guy that's been getting talked up a lot recently is Damian Harris, the uh, third round pick out of Alabama last year. I know last year, he didn't show very much. He was inactive for most of the season. Uh, you know, maybe I did not play, you know, coach's decision, what have you, but uh, he, he's been getting a lot of buzz here lately. And I think, Belichick is is going to want to come out this year maybe prove that uh, he he was the reason for Brady's success you know of course I don't know Belichick personally so I don't know what his his mindset is there but uh, he's just he's a coach that you can never want to count out and then you also have Josh McDaniels there as well you know those guys have been doing this for a long time you would think that they are going to find a way to have success we've seen them do it in the past and uh, again, it wasn't by much, uh, you know, and I stated it already, that maybe I'm a little bit higher on Cam Newton and what he could do this year, even with those weapons. You know, I, I still think Julian Edelman is is a good receiver. He was a, a quarterback in college, and he's shown that he, he can be a, a good receiver, you know, being a quarterback-friendly receiver, knowing the right places to be on the field and things like that. I think that'll be good for Cam. Uh Nikhil Harry is someone that he himself has been getting a lot of buzz, too. A, a lot of people were talking about how he couldn't separate and things like that. Well, it seems like this season he's really looking like he's going to be taking the next step. Uh, it will depend on the running game because, you know, you mentioned that Sonny Michelle. He hasn't really shown us very much. He's been close to a back-to-back thousand-yard seasons with limited opportunity. He doesn't offer much in the pass game. But I don't know. It's just Belichick. I, I never want to count him out. Um, I was looking here at week seven through thirteen, and that's where things really do get tough. You have to face San Francisco week seven, Buffalo week eight, week ten they play Baltimore, week eleven they play the uh, Texans, week twelve Arizona, week thirteen at the Chargers. That that's going to be a tough stretch of games there. Um, overall, the last part of the season, I did have them going seven and seven, and that's how I ended up with my record prediction at ten and six. And they were, I have them actually winning the AFC. East. You know
1: what's funny? <clears throat> what team did we talk about that I had sweeping? <laughs> the Patriots. The okay. Jets. Take those two games and trash them. And I have New England going 10 and 6. So basically, the difference right. in our prediction is that my dumbass somehow found a way to have Jets beat the, the Patriots <laughs> twice. I'm still – I'm looking at the schedule like, what the hell did you see that made you think they were going to beat the – the? I mean, I, I get the – they're coming off a game at Buffalo. I get the one. Okay, Jets are on Monday Night Football. The Patriots got to play at Buffalo the week before, and they got to play Sunday Night Football against Baltimore the week after. So I can see – you know, Jets ramping it up. They come at them. They get a steal win there. Okay, I get that. Right? How the hell did I have the the Jets winning the last week of the season at New England? I have no idea. So at worst, I'm saying that that I got to flip it and make Pats nine and seven because I don't know how in the world I got the Jets beating New England in that last week. Cause they're going
0: to be playing for something. Well, yeah. I mean, weeks 15 through 17, listen to this, the uh, Patriots face Miami week 16, they face Buffalo week 17, they face the jets. So, you know, it sounds like we, we think that Buffalo and Patriots are the favorites in this division. That's going to be a, an interesting uh, stretch of games right there for, for both new England and for Buffalo. Yeah,
1: I agree. I, I, um, I'm kind of just – I'm still flabbergasted. Like, it doesn't change my prediction for the division, obviously. I have bills at 10 and 6, and this will make Pats 9 and 7. But I'm like mm-hmm. – I haven't smoked in a few months now, I believe, at least a month. <laughs> and I had, like, I had, like, a frozen Jack and Coke uh, a while ago, but that's all I've drank in years if I'm not at Disneyland – so I'm like somebody slipped me something cuz I don't know how the hell I have Jets sweeping the damn New England Patriots on my picks. So and and marked nothing about it. Like, "Oh yeah, sure, just <laughs> just make no case at all on my paperwork for it at all. Just yep, got Jets winning that for sure. Obviously, that's a clear one. Everybody's going to think that."
0: And um, maybe uh Maybe he used one too many herbs in your chili earlier, Mike. Who yeah, knows? Hey,
1: I, I, it 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 was during the ten day reset, guys, that I did this. That's it. That's what it was. It was dur- during the, during the ten day reset. I don't want to hear it. Don't get mad at me. I was I was obviously off my rocker. I'm I'm giving Jets one win, so I'm not totally gutless. I'm not giving them that win at the end of the at the end of the damn year. I'm I'm not that out of it so new england goes nine and seven buffalo still wins the division we all still hate the afc east because it's terrible man that's crazy
0: yeah the afc east it's um you know went from the patriots over everybody and now it's just like we don't know what the hell is going to happen. You know, Buffalo, again, I, I think they, they should be the favorites to win this division. Maybe to most people, uh, again, I, I can't count out Belichick and McDaniels. And even with the turnover and the losses they've had on defense, it's just until I see him, until I see Belichick fail, you know, I, I, I won't count him I out. I can't
1: blame me there. How can you? Honestly, how can you? The guy, he wins games with Garoppolo and all them. It's not like it's some – it's it'd be some kind of shock if he did. Uh, I really hope that I'm that personally. I just hope that I'm down on on bills. I really hope that Josh Allen takes a step and the defense is as good and Stephon Diggs makes them better because I, I just want something out of this. If the division seems so blah. Like I know I know we said NFC North was blah, but like I liked Stafford and what Detroit's can do. And Minnesota, we said the transition year. But Zimmer's really good. He could have that defense ready to go. And then Green Bay has Aaron Rodgers. So like the NF- as, mm-hmm. uh, as the NFC North is, they're like the friggin they're like the NFC West compared to AFC East. If Buffalo's not like really good, like the defense is as good, and Allen takes a step, and Singletary takes a step, and Diggs brings a new dynamic, and they really are a, a team that can contend with the Ravens and Kansas city and all those. It's, it's so blah.
0: Yeah. Breaking down this division wasn't, wasn't exciting at all. There was no joy in doing it. I know last week when we were just talking about the AFC, AFC North, I mean, that was a, uh, that was a joy to do just because you think about the talent on all, really all those teams. And I know we don't have too many high expectations for the Cincinnati Bengals, but even, they, even they're a talented team. You, you put them in this division and they might, you know, give one of these teams a run for their money. But, you yeah, know, this division was just uh, just not exciting at all. Uh, I am kind of curious to see how, how Cam Newton and Belichick and, you know, McDaniels all mesh and just to see if uh, Belichick can pull a rabbit out of his hat and somehow win this thing. But yeah, I'd have to agree, Mike. This this was just a very blah division.
1: Yeah, man, we I'm glad we got into it and had some fun early on with uh, Dallas Cowboys talk and food talk and everything. But uh, we needed we need to get those you know the records uh, what we think on record so that we can go back and go, you know, if 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 the Jets sweep New England, the Jets sweep yes. New England, I could be like. I knew it. I had clarity in my 10-day reset. No but if if Buffalo like jumps out and becomes a top team, then I can go, "Hey, I missed this. Like I didn't know if Allen was going to take the step. I didn't know if uh if Diggs would make that big of a difference, you know, and 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 to to get an idea like if we if we go on and New England goes 12 and 4, we can't go on then and go, oh, we knew New England was going to be great. This, well, you know, you had him at least at 10 wins. I had them at 8-9, you know. So it's good to get these things on record. And, like, it's good to talk about how Miami's building. And it's good to shit on the Jets because they deserve it for Adam Gay's team there. <laughs> but, man, this division this yes, was rough, man. It was rough to go over. It was rough to, like, find a narrative that I wanted to go with. My narrative was like I want to talk about Everson Griffin and and the Cowboys.
0: Well, Mike, this is the fifth week in a row where you and I have a difference of opinion, and it's interesting though, just because we won't talk about a certain show that we, you know, people talk about on ESPN with all their their hot takes and things. It's it's funny that we we have disagreed five weeks in a row on a um, on who's going to win the division, yet we don't get into these hot, like these uh, these big disputes, like arguments and going at each other's necks and everything.
1: Yeah, the difference is they go, that's their, that their thing is they get this script. It's like Dan Orlovsky said, they they told him, hey, can you argue is fifth best? Like he said, this, this is not me making it up. He doesn't think Wentz is the fifth best quarterback. They asked him, do you think you can make an argument for it? And he goes, sure, I can make an argument that he's the fifth. He doesn't believe it. Nobody believes that. And he's good. Wentz is good. It's not a sure. diss on him. They go in. They're scripted. They're not real TV debate. They're not real things that they go in. They're each given a side. They're given their thing. And then during the season, they keep their their stuff on. If you think that Shannon Sharp really believes that Dak, Dak Prescott isn't a good quarterback, you're, you're stupid. He believe, he knows Dak's a good quarterback. That's his shtick. He has to be the anti-Dak guy because Skip Bayless doesn't work unless – Skip Bayless can break down tape with my little brother, and he doesn't even want to do this kind of stuff. And he can't break down tape with him, let alone try to do it with Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp would work him all over the floor. I've seen Shannon Sharp on shows where he actually has to be an analyst. He's brilliant. That's not his – he's paid to play a character. Your character is going to hate Dak Prescott. Your character is going to love LeBron. I'm sure he's a LeBron fan. He ain't a LeBron fan like that. You know, it's the character. you got to go in. you got to be the character. You're, you're going to do this. He's going to do that. They're going to go back and forth. That's going to be how we get our ratings. We're going to get the, the, the haters versus the – we don't do that. We don't even talk about our stuff beforehand. Because we don't want a hot take. They talk about their stuff beforehand and pick a side. Hey, we want to talk about this. Well, you take this side. I'll take that side, you know. And so that we don't do that. We're not in the hot take. We're trying to give our honest opinions on the stuff and, uh, and, and show how we look at it honestly. Like, uh, I honestly have no idea how I had Jets sweep in New England. But but that's what happens sometimes. You know, you, you go on and you, I try to look at stuff where I have Miami in three or four games where I believe that Sharks, betting Sharks, are going to look at it and teams are going to go, oh, Seattle's playing Miami? Oh, Seattle's going to win. Put all your money on Seattle. And the Sharks are going to go, wait, Seattle has this travel schedule. They have to go cross-country. Miami's doing this and that. Oh, no, what's the point spread? Oh, okay, well, we'll put, no, we'll put money on Miami. Because if you look at, mm-hmm. if you look at how they match up um, uh, up front and how their corners can match up with Metcalf and the way they have to travel and if it comes down to it, could Miami's offense, Devontae Parker, make a play? Sure. Do they have a good enough run game to make some noise with Howard and Bradia? Sure, they do. You know, so there's stuff like that that we I like to bring that out and I like to hear your style and how you go over it. And we're not doing it to go back and forth and you're stupid. This, this, this. That's not the idea. That's their show's idea. That's the idea of their show is to cause conflict and debates, quote unquote, sports debate when they really don't believe a third, two thirds of the stuff they talk about.
0: No, yeah, we, we, uh, we don't find value in fabricated arguments or, you know, um, fabricated, fab, fabricated arguments or, or hot takes, you know, we just want real, real opinions. And, you know, we, we can look at the same thing and either come to the same result or different result. And I think that's one, one thing we really value is we, we don't share our notes. We, we, we say that every week is that we don't share our notes all, just because we don't want to ever always agree or, or have fake arguments and, you know, genuine, just open and honest conversations. Yeah,
1: agreed. And if we shared our notes, you would know when I'm going to pull you off the rails. And then it wouldn't be any fun to watch <laughs> you try to get back on the rail and go, Hey, at some point during this uh, first 45 minutes of the podcast, are we going to talk about the AFC East? <laughs> not with me as a <laughs> right. your co-host you're not.
0: Well, Mike, as we're getting close to it, I did want to ask you a question. Uh, you know, my wife and I, we were having this discussion uh, a couple of weeks ago. We were sitting there talking, and I, I want to get your your input on it. What would you be more impressed with? Or what would you find more impressive? Excuse me. A Bill Belichick Super Bowl without Tom Brady or a Tom Brady Super Bowl without Bill Belichick?
1: Do you mean in the future or this year?
0: This year or in the future? I mean, let's just say, for conversation's sake, let's say this year.
1: Well, Bill Belichick by a billion. He just... Really? Okay. Tom Brady's set into a team right now that is... Is you have them going 12 and 4, they could win the division. They could have nobody would be shocked if this Todd Bowles ran defense that picked it up at the end of the year. All these weapons, they have three running backs that they could rotate with. Their offensive line needs some work, but they have the quarterback that'll get the ball out as quick as any ever. So that's not a problem. If they won, nobody would be shocked that they want to win. Brady's not an idiot. He went in onto a team that is set up to win. The question mark in in Tampa Bay is what will Brady be, and what will the offensive line will will he be able to get the ball out in time with the offensive line? That's basically it. In New England, Cam, we don't know what Cam is coming off injury. They've lost so many people to COVID nineteen. They, I mean, and not like COVID nineteen, like oh uh, you know a couple got No, like Patrick Chung, their starting right tackle, Cannon, like. They lost guys, like big pieces. Tom Brady's gone. They bring in Cam Newton. They have this weird offseason where he can't build stuff up. Their tight ends are two rookies who I love. Like, I think they're going to kill, but they're still two rookies coming in. Nikhil Harry's their second option in the passing game, probably. He he basically didn't get to play last year at all. Um, We don't know what Edelman's going to be. Will age get to him? Will he not be the same receiver with Cam Newton throwing to him as he was with Tom Brady? Uh, and then their whole defense is just totally – Van oy has gone. Dante Hightower's gone. Sheldon's gone. Like, their front seven has, like, a guy left on it. They had to re, totally redo it. Uh, it would be impressive if – it would be more impressive to me if New England won a playoff game than if Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. If we're talking twenty twenty. Now past twenty twenty, Brady's got like two years left. Belichick could coach another ten. So I mean that wouldn't be as big a thing once Belichick was able to retool his his team and get into it. Yeah, I'd I would expect Bill Belichick to do fine and maybe get another Super Bowl. But twenty twenty, man, that would be he'd be the greatest coach in any sport ever if he won a Super Bowl year after tom brady leaves and you're rebuilding your whole defense and and just really your offense really you're rebuilding them still you're in the middle of a rebuild with them that would be one of the most impressive things i've ever seen
0: yeah i like the way you broke that down just because when you talk about the losses i mean the, the losses that the Patriots suffered on both sides of the ball are very impactful, and then you're bringing in a new quarterback in a uh, off season that's not that's not your typical NFL offseason, Just a lot of question marks, and Belichick's got his work cut out for him. You know, I, I like the point you also brought up about Brady. He went to a team that is probably just a a piece or two away, really. You know, maybe he's the missing he's the missing link, like his style of play was what's missing to take Tampa Bay on a, a deep playoff run. You know, when you compare Brady's style of play to, to Jameis Winston's there.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just, they're at two different places. And it's funny, that's the difference. To bring it full circle, that's the difference between two people who are not hot take sports debate people that are making points we understand that the the playing field isn't the same for Brady, but I guarantee you that when this season starts and if Brady is 11 and five and in the playoffs and, uh, and the Patriots are seven and nine and they don't make the playoffs, they're not doing well. Well, look, Bill Belichick ain't shit without Brady. I'm like, well, yeah, but the circumstances are different. Brady got gifted into a, Mm -hmm. he set himself up perfectly and Bill Belichick, was banking on be good enough offensively and be great defensively and lost too much defensively to to, to be able to do that. He, there's just no way he lost too many pieces.
0: It's kind of weird to think, um, you know, the last time I was really – well, actually, I don't – oh, yeah, the last time I was rooting for the Patriots, not necessarily to win, but just to be competitive was when they were uh in the 2016 – Super Bowl against the Falcons. You know, it was a bit of a blowout in the first half. And I remember sitting there with my cousin, I was kind of rooting them for them just to make a comeback just to make the uh the game more exciting. But now that we're, you know, we're talking about it, I would kinda want to see Belichick succeed this year just so he can prove how good he really me is. Me too. That's weird just to say it, you know? Yeah,
1: me too. I have become a big fan of the Patriots because I just think he he gets um Belichick people don't understand the stuff that he that he was able to do like the first um the first few super Bowls. Tom Brady wasn't doing anything like he was getting them in position to kick field goals, but we're talking about defenses that were crazy now, you know there's a lot of iffy with that defense too You get practice tape on people and you're gonna have a good defense too you're gonna you know they they became very stout in the red zone area. And uh, that was apparently where, you know, that stuff came out. But, you know, it, it was very 50-50 at best. I would even probably go 60-40 Belichick to Brady, especially early. Now, the later ones, more 50-50. But early on, you know, Brady was a placeholder. He wasn't doing anything those first three Super Bowls. That was a defensive team.
0: Yeah, Brady didn't really. Um, he winning Super Bowls can do so much for your name and your reputation. You may, and you often get a lot of praise, where even unrightfully so. Um, I think we we saw we saw the Patriots, you know, be brought back down to earth a bit when going up against Eli Manning and those Giants team. And when you think about those Giants teams, Eli Manning, he gets a little too much praise for those teams when really it was a couple of lucky breaks, just like every team, you know, when you're in the playoffs and Bowl, you have to look, have to have a little bit of luck on your side, but he had some good defensive teams as well.
1: Oh yeah. His, his stuff was totally led by defense that, that, it makes me laugh. Like you took away his good defense. The guy couldn't have a winning season ever. Like they, they, uh, that he's one of the more overrated. I, I give it to him for the, the two playoff ones he, he went on, the two playoff runs. But otherwise, his, uh, his career is mediocre, and he's basically going to the Hall of Fame on two playoff runs. And uh, uh, Tony Romo, who was better in almost every other way but got stuck with Jason Garrett, so couldn't make any of the playoff runs, and he's not going to be a Hall of Famer. I personally don't have either of them as Hall of Famers. I'm not saying Tony Romo should be. I'm saying that if Eli Manning's going to make it, I mean, you know, that Eli, you know, Russell Wilson got carried by a great defense early, but then came into his own to become a great quarterback. Tom Brady got carried early, came into his own to be a great quarterback. Eli Manning was always a, He's a good quarterback, above average quarterback, but never really did anything. But then he got an elite defense a couple of years that got hot and boom, two Super Bowls, you know, and you can't take that away from him. He, he, he is the leader of the team going to that. So it it is what it is, but yeah, I agree. A a Super Bowl run, a play some playoff success could definitely overrate you uh, long-term your career.
0: No, I'd have to agree. And, Mikey, it, it was a a fun conversation, as always. This division wasn't that great to break down, but I enjoyed the uh, the discussion anyways. And just for the people, where can we find you out on Twitter? At
1: CD Piglet, guys. Come cheer me up a little bit. I want my chili, and I can't have it.
0: And, again, guys, I am Paul Ryan, and you can find me at Paul underscore Ryan 15. And, guys, don't forget, until Will changes his his handle – Go ahead and unfollow him. He is at I am Furion. I, I can't get the exact spelling and I don't I don't want to uh upset Mike anymore. I'm sure he's he's upset about not having any chili dog. But go go ahead on Twitter and bust his chops until he, he changes his Twitter handle. And uh we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us.